Hello, and welcome to the Christ Church Cathedral Podcast. This is the sermon from our past Sunday, recorded live from the cathedral. We hope these words will really speak to your heart and mind. I speak to you in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. In university, we read a book about the life and ministry of Jesus called The Upside-Down Kingdom. That phrase was taken from a verse in the book of Acts, the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. At that point in the story, after the resurrection of Jesus, the disciples began to spread the news of God's kingdom all over the Roman world. And at one point, some of those early Christians were forcibly brought before the city officials by an angry mob. The mob accused them of, quote, turning the world upside down, of acting contrary to the decrees of the emperor, and of saying that there is another king named Jesus. Donald Crable, the Anabaptist author of that book, The Upside Down Kingdom, recognized the truth of this accusation. The disciples were, in fact, turning the world upside down. But this was nothing to be ashamed of, because God's kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus proclaimed, embodied, and inaugurated, is an inversion of Caesar's kingdom. The value system of God's kingdom is an exact reversal of the value system in Caesar's kingdom. As Crable put it in the book, the kingdom of God points to an inverted, upside-down way of life that challenges the prevailing order. The way of Jesus certainly countered the cultural patterns in the society during his earthly ministry, and it still counters the patterns of our world today. This morning's gospel reading is an excellent illustration of what it means, the upside-down kingdom. It's an excellent illustration of how Jesus inverts the value systems of his own day and the value system of our own time and place in surprising, even shocking ways. This morning's gospel reading tells the story of a dramatic reversal of fortune. It's a type of reversal, however, that should be familiar to attentive readers of the Gospel of Luke. All the way back in chapter 1, Luke records the song of Mary, Jesus' mother, who sings rather boldly, God has brought the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. And just a few chapters later, Jesus himself proclaims very similar words. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. And woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. That theme of reversal, the poor lifted up and the rich brought low, the hungry being fed and the full going hungry 
runs all the way through Luke's gospel. And in some ways, this morning's reading is a narrative illustration of just that sort of reversal. The story itself is quite simple. Jesus introduces his audience to a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus. These two men live in close proximity to one another, and yet their lives couldn't be more different. The rich man lives a life of luxury, wearing expensive clothing and eating gourmet meals, while Lazarus lies destitute, covered in sores and longing to feed himself with the rich man's table scraps. But when they die, there is a striking reversal of fortune. Lazarus is taken to be with Abraham, while the rich man is tormented in Hades. The rest of the story focuses on the rich man's experience, who in despair cries out to Abraham. The rich man wants Abraham to send Lazarus to cool his tongue, but Abraham reminds him of the reversal that has taken place. Abraham says, Child, remember that during your life you received good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Having received this answer, the rich man asks Abraham to at least send Lazarus to warn his family so that they might not suffer a similar fate. Again, Abraham refuses, telling the rich man, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. If they don't listen to scripture, neither will they be convinced if someone rises from the dead. And the story ends there with no further commentary from Jesus. And so I just want to make two observations about this story that are quite striking. First, you may have noticed that we never learned the name of the rich man. The poor man's name is Lazarus, but the rich man goes unnamed in the story. And I think that's important. If you stopped the average person on the street and told them to name some of the richest people on earth, I guarantee you that they would have no trouble doing it. And I'm sure some of these names are popping into your heads even as I speak. Now, if you were to ask that very same person that you've stopped, if they knew the names, the name of the person begging for change at the intersection, or if they knew the names of the people sleeping in tents in their neighborhoods, if they knew the names of the people gathered outside the mission across the street, you'd probably get a very different answer. The names our society can call to mind say something about our value system. Naming someone humanizes them. That person over there, those people, that poor person lying on the ground covered in sores and hungry becomes Lazarus, a human being with a name, with a story, with value and with dignity. Knowing someone's name, taking the time to learn and remember someone's name says something about how much we value them. It's harder to treat someone as disposable if you know their name. It's harder to ignore a person whose name you know. 
Our society too often ignores the poor and treats them as disposable. At best, we may pity them, even give them some food or some money, but rarely do people take the time to learn their names, to learn their stories. But for those of us who are citizens of God's upside-down kingdom, we are called to treat everyone, especially the forgotten, the despised, and the misunderstood, with the dignity they deserve as God's beloved children. We are called to know their names because God knows their names. And second, did you notice that even in death, even from the depths of Hades, the rich man still expects Lazarus to be his servant. Twice, he asks Abraham to send Lazarus to do his bidding. The rich man clearly hasn't learned the lesson. He clearly hasn't recognized the implications of God's upside-down kingdom. He still tries to play the game according to the old rules. And so by refusing to send Lazarus to be the rich man's servant, in this story, Abraham is demonstrating that God's kingdom abolishes those social hierarchies that governed Roman society, and that in many ways still govern our society here and now. Because Lazarus was poor, he occupied a lower social station in society than the rich man. And he would have been expected, according to social convention, to serve the rich man if called upon. But God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. Those oppressive social hierarchies are broken down and replaced by an ethic of mutual love and care among equals. Think about the social hierarchies that so many people in our society accept or even work to uphold. Hierarchies of class, race, gender, sexual orientation and immigration status, the list goes on and on. These hierarchies are dissolved in God's upside-down kingdom. Jesus himself acted in ways that challenged the hierarchies of his day, eating with tax collectors and sinners, calling women and fishermen to be disciples showing no favoritism or preference for those of high status. Jesus perfectly embodied God's upside-down kingdom. In hope, we all wait in expectation for the coming of that upside-down kingdom because we know that we have so far to go. But we also believe that in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the kingdom of God has come near. And so as followers of Jesus, we are called to live here and now according to the values and principles of God's kingdom, to play some small role in the coming of that kingdom, to challenge the prevailing order, to treat all people with dignity and respect, to break down those social hierarchies that corrupt and distort human relations. And we do this in the name of Christ, who loves us, and gave himself for us. We do this in the name of Christ, who loves all the Lazaruses of the world and gave himself for them. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Christ Church Cathedral. 
audio editing and original theme by Eduardo Farias. We hope you join us again soon. Have a blessed day.